Welcome to this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church. Today we have a message that we believe is full of practical and relevant behavioral teaching from God's Word, the Bible. We'd like to invite you to grab a piece of paper and a pen. Take notes as you go through this looking for a personal application from God to you. Sit back and enjoy as we begin this message. that surely the presence of the Lord God creator, Lord Jehovah, Lord Jehovah Jireh, our provider, he is in this place. He is in this place. Go ahead and have a seat and welcome to St. Charles River Church. Those of you who are joining by broadcast, we want to welcome you as well. We love you all. We just want you to know we're blown away that you join us all the way from Canada to, to Latin America that I know of. And all the way from, from at least Columbus, oh, well, I know Florida now. Columbus, Ohio, way out to Las Vegas, Nevada, people are joining us. People are joining us in Portugal. And for and wherever you're joining us, I want you to know that Jesus loves you. That's our message today. It's not about St. Charles River Church. Jesus loves you. And if you don't have a local home church, you let us know. We will help you find a local home church wherever you're watching this broadcast from. Because we believe in the local church. I believe that Jesus taught this, really, he lived this out. The church is the hope of the world. I believe that with all of my heart. God is so precious. His spirit is so precious. I, I, you know, it's one of those things you just don't want to move. <laughs> I know how the disciples felt. Don't move. <laughs> don't move. This, this feels so good. Don't move. <laughs> no, it, it isn't so good because we don't move. It's so good so we will go move. Live and move and actually do something about it. Isn't that great? I want to talk to you about this just a little bit. I want to, yeah, last week I gave you kind of a heads up of what was to come. What was to come? What, were you here last week or were you watching last week? What did I say that, that today I was going to talk to you about your, who said, who, what? Your mission. That's right. Had one. Had one that remembered. Lord Jesus. <laughs> How many of you on the broadcast? You better be honest. You better be honest. Don't, don't you be lying. You're in church. You are the church. Don't you be lying. Yeah, we talked about, I, I kind of give you the heads up. And, and what is your mission? Who said that? People are your mission. But I want to talk with you this morning. I'm going to take you back to an Old Testament story. Most of you know it. And, you, and, and we've all been raised to believe the story of Jonah is about the big fish. Yeah, I got news. There's a whole lot of things in that story that and nothing to do. He just showed up because God showed him up because God showed him up. Has nothing to do with a big fish. And, and people get, uh, Christians for the for years, I heard Christians debate doctrinally whether it was a whale or a big fish. Are you kidding? That's like, have you ever seen the, do you remember my dis, great distractions that I'm capable of on, uh, was it the movie Up? Squirrel. The enemy gives us stuff to argue about doctrinally. I even, when I said one time, God doesn't want us to argue about doctrine, had somebody get up and take his daughter right out of the service and they left the building and they went online and protested that I was a heathen 
preaching against sound doctrine. I mean, they did. Pastor Mike, Bowie, where'd you go? You're here somewhere. Where are you? There you are. You remember? We're like, no, don't anybody say anything. We're not going to get into an online debate about whether you argue about doctrine or not. It was, it's amazing to me, but this is not about a fish. This is about God's desire for everybody write this down. God's plan for my life is to know God. Basic, very simple, a lot of under that, a lot of things we're going to build on under that, but God's basically, His plan for my life can be summed up in a nutshell. To know God. Now I'm talking about in spirit and in truth. To know God and to know Him in spirit and in truth. God wants us to know Him. That's the plan of God for our life. But then God wants us to... Here's the mission for our life. And to make God known. So God wants me to to know Him and to make God known. It's a, in, it's in a nutshell. And I can tell you for years, uh, I believe in, especially in the modern New Testament age, we taught that since Jesus came, that evangelism started. Well, I will tell you, if you will look back, and this is just one example of evangelism on behalf of Lord God Jehovah, evangelism started in the garden. Get this. Get the picture. True outreach evangelism started in the garden when God put his foot in the garden and said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Why are you hiding? Evangelism started. The heart of God, the the, the mission of God started right then. Do you know that the plan of salvation began in the garden? Because an innocent animal was sacrificed. An innocent animal was sacrificed. It's an animal in the garden, and God used it as a sacrifice to cover sin. The awareness of sin came in the garden. The answer to the awareness of sin came in the garden. Think about that. God did not allow man to exist any length of time, relatively, any length of time without the answer to the sin problem. And now man has a permanent sin problem. I'm talking about the human race. I'm not talking about the believer. We have a flesh problem, but we don't have a sin problem because he paid for it and he removed it and it's blotted out. This morning, someone, someone brought their cell phone to, to church this morning to have someone delete something from their phone. It wasn't really, honestly, I know what it was. It was not a bad, but it just irritated him. And somebody found the delete button. It doesn't delete. Isn't that an amazing button? Isn't the trash can an amazing example of what God does for your past and my past? Isn't that amazing? So I want you to turn in your book, uh, in your in your in your Bibles to the book of Jonah, and and I kind of categorize it under one category. Now I know I'm about to walk out of this picture, but you'll know why in just a second. Because I want you to know there's someone in this room that can deliver this statement. This kind of a statement with a question on it, much greater than I get ready to turn it up a little bit. I have chosen, you got to have a little bit of a United Kingdom accent. And it's got to be a strong person who asks this. And I stole it from a movie called Mission Impossible. And it goes like, here's the question. Your mission, your mission, should you choose to accept it? 
I think that's perfect, don't you? Got the perfect. You sound so smart when you say that. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. See, I don't do it well. But your mission, should you choose to accept it. Do you know that you actually, do you know you have a choice? Whether you know God or you make God known. But it is a package deal. It, it is not, I will, do you remember, let me see what time we got. Do you remember the, the times I, I, I shared with you? When God says to us, when we step into the presence of God, when God says to us, Deb, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Is he going to be a liar? Will God speak untruths in the heavens? No. So it better be true. And you better know what the well done is all about. Because there's one mission. There's one plan. No God. There's one mission to make God known. And if there's an impression, if anyone ever had the impression that God did not want to save people outside of Israel, you're about to learn differently. God had a plan that anyone who would repent and come to know him, whether he was a Jew or not, God had this plan. I don't know that Israel in itself really embraced it at the time. In fact, we'll see that someone didn't embrace it at the time. Let me get into the story of Jonah. See, the story is not about Jonah and the whale. The story is about Jonah and God. So we've really misnomered or misnamed or mischaracterized this story. It has none to do with the big fish or the whale, whatever y'all doctrinally want to hug up to. It has everything to do with Jonah and God. Jonah knowing God and Jonah making God known. That's the story. Whether Jonah accepts his mission. Now it's a, it's a short, it's a short book, so I'm going to read most of it to you if that's alright. You can honestly say, this dude actually read an entire book of the Bible in church. If you, this guy doesn't teach from the Old Testament, <laughs> Where Pastor Pam at? Somebody said one time after about six week series I was doing, this pastor, he said this online, this pastor never teaches from the Old Testament. Stay away from him. I had just finished six weeks of an Old Testament, Old Testament series. It's an amazing thing to me, really. A channel, oh, I won't say what channel. One of the channels recently put a, a thing online that said, on my phone, it popped right up. So-and-so bar was closed by the city of St. Louis. As you'll see in the video, no one was wearing a mask. Well, you know the first caption that we saw on the video? A young lady wearing a black mask. It's amazing to me. So this story is not about a whale. I want to just clarify that, make this known. Let me take the, the mask off of the hidden secret. This, this is about God and Jonah. Here we go. Jonah flees. This is kind of the caption underneath the top here. Verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. By the way, that means the instruction of the Lord. He was already prophet Jonah. He was a prophet of God. He had preached to many, especially to Israel. He was a prophet to Israel. And he had preached repentance to the people of Israel. So he was a God-man. This was not a guy that was just kind of one foot in and one foot out doing the hokey pokey with God. He had everything in. He had everything in. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up against me or come up before me. 
I want you to know something. If you don't know who Nineveh is, Nineveh is a great enemy of Israel. In that day, Nineveh was torturing Israel. That was the history. They had been cruel to the people of Israel. So if you don't know, that is like today, modern day history, Israel and the Palestinians. Get the picture. There's a beloved hate for one another. This isn't just a dislike. You know, they're the Cubs fans. Oh, sorry. (laughs) They're Cubs fans. No, this is genuine hate. Do I have any Cubs fans in here? (laughs) I'm sorry. For those of you who may be Cubs fans, God bless you. This is genuine hate. They hated one another. And listen to what God says to him. Go to Nineveh and preach against it because it it didn't say condemn it. He didn't say condemn them. He said go preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away and headed for Tarshish. In other words, I'm not choosing to accept my mission. I'm choosing to run for my mission. How many of you don't raise your hands? And women, don't, wives, don't raise your husband's hands. How many of you have ever really run from God? I have. I know what that feels like. Long years I sat in church. Long years I sang in a Christian Southern Gospel group. And I ran from what God was telling me to do. Oh, I, I did ministry. And I hid behind it. And I, and I could argue it well. But for years, I ran from God. I know what that feels like to run from God. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for the, for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard. Now he's actually investing God's money in his own disobedience. Did you hear what I said? How many of us are actually investing things God's given to us in our own disobedience? Especially our time. Especially our time. He went down to Joppa. He found the ship. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All of the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they were, by the way, there's a lot of heathen on this ship. They were calling out to different gods on this ship. And the only one with the one true God wasn't calling out to him. Did you notice that in the story? The one who knew the one true God, Jehovah, Lord Jehovah, was not calling out to him. Because he knew what he was going to say. Why are you on the ship? How many times, if you know you're in direct disobedience to God, we don't, we avoid a conversation with God because we're, we know what he's going to, he's stand, have you ever seen God or felt God's presence just staring you right down? And you kind of do the, our dog, our daughter's dog does that to me all the time. Buddy, we've been babysitting buddy. Buddy, buddy. Buddy. I never did anything to buddy. I'm the one feeding him, keeping him, letting him out, chasing him when he gets away. I never did anything to buddy. And here's Jonah doing this. He even, let me read the rest of it. Here we go. He said, all the sailors were afraid and each of them cried out to their own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck, in other words, hiding from God, and he laid down and he fell into a deep sleep. He didn't want to talk. I'm speaking now. He didn't want to talk to God. He wanted to hide from God's presence and from guilt and, 
and, and, and whatever the presence of God was hoisting on him, he wanted to hide from it. Easier to sleep. Jonah went down below deck. The captain went to, to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of, of us and we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots and find out who's responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and they fell on, and it fell on Jonah. You know, God can use heathen. God can use heathen ways. Seriously. You think God can't use the, 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 the uh, Missouri lottery? I got news. God can use any, God used a jackass. Spoke through a donkey. Spoke through Balaam's donkey. Surely he can speak through us. So he asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making the trouble for us and, 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 and what do you do? It all fell on Jonah. So where do you come from? You know, what's going on? What, what is your country? From what people are you? He said, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And I'm, if I'm a sailor on that ship, I'm saying, you worship who? You worship the God that created the land and the sea and you're what? Not even praying to him? What's wrong with you? I, I'm mad at him just because he's, he's throwing us all under the sea, under the bus, so to speak. You're the one with the answer. He created this mess, and you're not even talking to him. I'd have thrown him over right there. Verse 9, he answered, I am a Hebrew. He said, I am, I am, I am worship the Lord God of heaven made, who made the sea and made the land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord but he, uh, because he had already told them so. I don't think that's a smart move. I mean, if I'm a sailor on the boat, I'm going, you are... Well, I can't say the idiot word, but you are. I mean, think about this. Think of the story in the light of what's going on here. If I mean, okay, here we go. This terrified them. He said, what have you done? They knew he was running from the Lord because he told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down? Number one, he says, pick me up. And throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will be calm. You know what he's saying? I'd rather die than go to Nineveh. Get this. This is the level of hate. Hate. I said, this is the level of hate that he has inside of him for Nineveh. The people of Nineveh. That God said, go preach to them and preach repentance to them. He hates them. He'd rather die than see one Ninevite saved. Have you ever said these words, I am not about to pray for that person. They hurt me so bad. I am not going to forgive them. Because they have hurt me so bad. Or they've hurt my family members so bad. I, I just hope, I, I hope horrible things happen to them. I've heard people actually say it. I don't judge anybody, but I really don't. I don't. I don't. We're all capable of really hating people. Every one of us in this room are capable of hating people. Every one of us. Throw me into the sea, he replied. It will be calm. I know that it is my fault that this storm has come upon us. Verse 13, instead, the men did their best to row back to land. They didn't want to do that to Jonah. They did not want to do that to Jonah. Instead, they tried to row back to land, but they could not. Why? Because God wasn't letting them. 
You see, God, let me just introduce this thought. You know that Psalms 23, the last, I think it's verse 6, ends with this. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Now, what he's saying is, and as a result of that, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know sometimes goodness and mercy show up looking like a big fish? Because you see, it isn't. We, we think when we talk about God's mercy and his goodness, oh, that's when God lets me own a Cadillac. Oh, his man, he finds me a man. Or he finds me a woman. A good woman. Now, that is God's goodness, and that is his mercy. Because y'all don't deserve it. We, we don't. Men especially don't deserve a good woman. We're, we're, we're men. We're just a mess. I start all my pre-marriage courses off with, say this, repeat after me. <laughs> men are idiots. We just don't deserve a good woman. Just from scratch, we don't deserve a good woman. It's just the truth. Sometimes goodness and mercy show up looking really harsh. Because you see, God is more determined to save you and to redeem you and me than he is to make us comfortable. There are times God is more determined to discipline us in his ways than he is to make life really easy for me. You see, this is knowing God. You remember I said God's will for our lives is to know God? Well, in order for us to make God known, we got to know who we're making known. We have to know the character of the one we're making known. And we have to live it out on a daily life. And so God is growing. How many know goodness and mercy in this story show up in the form of a big old fish? That's God's goodness. He could have thrown a net from it. He could have sent a sailboat by. He could have sent something floating by. He could have sent a whole lot of things by. He didn't send any of those by. He sent a big old nasty smelling fish. And if you've ever watched, what was the name of those movies? Uh, Veggie Tales. Do you remember Jonah? The story of Jonah in the belly of the whale? Veggie Tales. There's Jonah in there cooking weenies. Got an open fire going, you know. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you something. I, I know this is a little extra biblical. This is the God that created the whale or the fish that could house Jonah. Wouldn't it have been cool if God had stuck a few logs in there and a way to get a little flint, a couple of pieces of flint to get a fire going and a couple of weenies in there? Wouldn't, I, he didn't. I don't believe that he did. Don't shake your head. Oh, he's teaching false doctrine. No, I'm not. I'm having fun with what are the possibilities of what God does. I mean, I think it's already preposterous that he created a fish that would house a man for a few days. So we don't know what all is not recorded, but I do enjoy the veggie tail version of it. He's in there cooking weenies. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not have fun with it? He says, then they took Jonah and they threw him overboard and a raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. I would too. I think that's the beginning of wisdom. I believe that's what the word says. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord, made vows to him. Oh my goodness, people got saved. People came to know God. A calming, uh, 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 listen to this. People, God was doing two things at one time. Making Jonah know him and making himself known to people that were in Jonah's life now. One way or the other, Jonah, you're going to make me known. One way or the other, Jonah, you're going to know me and you're going to make me known. Even if it is through your, your stinking disobedience and your old bad self, you're going to make me known. You think any of this story is a surprise to God? Why do you think the fish came just on time? God already prepared the big fish or the way or whatever it was. This creature, God prepared it already. 
He knew what Jonah was going to do. The Bible says he knows the end from the beginning. So I'll go on. Everybody, listen to this. Verse 17. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. Everybody repeat after me. The Lord provided a great fish. He provided. That's such a generous statement. He provided. Isn't No, we think when God provides, it shows up in a chariot with horses to rescue. We picture, we picture, we certainly didn't picture Calvary, did we? When the Lord provided a sacrifice, we didn't picture something so wretched, so wretchedly horrible. We didn't picture anything that could have been any more wretchedly tormenting than a cross of crucifixion. When God provides, oftentimes, if not every time, there's a huge price when God provides. Goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And it costs God every time he sends goodness and mercy. And sometimes goodness and mercy are very uncomfortable. And in this case, Jonah's goodness and God's mercy cost him a few days wrapped up in the belly of a fish. Goes on to say, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. Chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. I think that's a good idea. How about starting to pray before I get thrown into the sea? I'm not much of a Braveheart, okay? When we watch the movie Braveheart, I'm not that good. I surrendered a long time ago. I'm sorry. I'm I'm the, whatever word you want to put in there, I'm the guy that's going, don't throw me over. Lord, I will go. I'm that guy. Jonah stuck with it until he's in the fish. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed inside uh, to the Lord God. He said, in my distress, I love his prayer. In my distress, I call to you, O Lord. Why is he in distress? Because he, because, no, I mean, why? What caused him to be in the belly of the fish? His disobedience. Get this. He ran from God. Your mission, I wish I could do it. Your mission, should you choose to accept it? He said, no. Do you know? You may have a choice, but he'll hunt you down. Do you know that God loves you so much? He will hunt you down. He doesn't need you to go reach the world. He doesn't need me to go reach the world. But he loves me, and he loves you, and he will hunt us down and send a big stinking fish to swallow us and hold us. Give us, what do you, what do you moms do with your children when they behave? You give them a time out. This is a huge time out. Aren't you glad your mom didn't have a big fish? I'm just a thought. In my distress, I called to you, O Lord, and he answered from the depths of the grave. From the depths of the grave, called for help. He says, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled around me. Have you ever felt buried by stuff around you so deep? Have you ever felt so cut off from God? And you called out to God and he heard your cry. He's a father. He's a good father. Good parents hear the cries of their children. They can't say no to the cry of their children. He says, he says, and all the waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The, you know, true repentance. God loves true repentance. 
I will look to your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me and the deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head to the roots of the mountains. And I sank down and the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, everybody say, but God. Everybody say, but God. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord, my God. In other words, repeat after me, God provided. God provided. Verse 7 in chapter 2. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. In other words, he's already knowing. He's already trusting God's going to rescue me here. He's already speaking words of faith that I see, even though I'm here, I see my creator is providing for me. Did you get that? He's providing. I don't like what he provided, but he is providing for me. That means he loves me. He loves me. I'm going to go ahead and read it. He says, my life was ebbing away. I remembered you, O Lord, and my prayer rose to you to your temple, your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace. I'll jump down to verse 10, uh, verse, the end of verse 9. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah into dry land. Okay, now we got reboot. Jonah version 2. Jonah version 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. I love that God is a God of second chances, aren't you? Aren't you glad? Say God provided. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim the message I give to you. And Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And he did what? He obeyed the word. Jonah got the hint. Goodness and mercy. I don't need any more of your goodness and mercy, Lord. I don't need you following me all the days of my life like that. I'd rather goodness and mercy show up in obedience. That's a different kind of goodness and mercy. Obedience, goodness, and mercy is good. Disobedience, goodness, and mercy ain't fun. How many of you on the broadcast, you've been running from God? And you've seen that version of his goodness and mercy. Goes on to say, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A, a, a visit that required three days travel. On the first day, Jonah started in the city. And I'm just going to give you basically the end of the story, or the rest of the story, but I may read a couple things in chapter four. Bottom line, Jonah went to Nineveh and they received him. The, the king immediately received the word of the Lord from Jonah and he commanded this amazing uh, fast across all of Jonah, uh, across all of, uh, all of Nineveh rather. And, and all of Nineveh would bow before God and repent before God. And God did in fact, these are not Israelites. These are not Hebrew people. These are not the people that you would think that God would ever try and rescue. But God loves all men, all flesh, all men, all flesh, and he gave his life so that whosoever shall believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God was already displaying his love for all men and all flesh. And Jonah went to Nineveh. Jonah preached to people that he hated out of repentance. And guess what God did? He relented of his wrath against the people of Nineveh. And Nineveh worshipped the one true God. 
These were people that aren't supposed to be God people. These are people that are not circumcised, called Hebrew, not the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These are not the people of Israel. This is a different group of people. And God sent his very best prophet into Nineveh to preach to them a a heart of repentance towards God at that time. Then the end of the story is in verse four or in chapter four, rather. Then Jonah gets ticked at God. Jonah in a self-righteous attitude. God had a long way to, you ever gotten mad at God? I've been mad at God. I've been disappointed. I've never said anything that I regretted. There's been times I went, now why did I say that? That just, that was just, I'm going to say the stupid word, mom. That's just kind of, that's kind of stupid of me to say that. I didn't call anybody else stupid. I called, I, I said what I said was stupid. Yeah, but have you ever really been angry at God? Disappointed in God? So upset with God? And this was where Jonah, you know why he was? If you read chapter four, it's the, it goes this way. Because he did what he said he would. Because he actually loved people enough to go after them. What do you think a prophet does, Jonah? What do you think a prophet does? They go deliver the word of the Lord. And he called me, anointed me, set me apart to go bring the word of the Lord to people. I did it, and it made a difference. Can you imagine? The city was spared by God because of their repentance. And Jonah's mad. This is what he says to him. I'm mad because I knew you would do that. I knew you would you would bring generous forgiveness to them. I knew you would do that. That's, what he, that's how he's talking to God. So when I tell people, and I've told people in this room, God's not twisted by your, your yelling at him. God doesn't get all upset and twisted when you yell at him. He has a great conversation. But you know, when he got angry at God and he started throwing a tantrum, he went outside the city and he sat down and he made a shelter. That's what the, that's what the word says. What was he doing? Pouting. Who said pout? Somebody said pout. He was pouting. You're getting most of the answers right today. That, but you, he was pouting. He was angry because he didn't want God to do. Do you know God will keep his word? He is faithful. And when God says, go preach there, and if they repent, I will, I will relent of my wrath against them. And he did that. And he was mad that God did that. And so he sits there and God grows this little vine up. <laughs> I love God, you know, God's goodness and mercy. Say, God provided a vine. So he provides a fish. He provides a vine. (laughs) He provides a way for us to know him so that we can make God known. So he provides this vine and this vine grows up and he gives him shade. That's a good shade from this burning sun. And all of a sudden, the next day, God withers the vine. And he gets mad because God withered the vine. You could have at least kept the shade. I'm serious. This is, I I said he's the prophet of God. We can't laugh too hard. We do the same thing. We do the same thing. Some of you just haven't seen your big fish yet. Some of us really in this room have not seen our big fish yet. But God's goodness and mercy, he loves you that much. He will send something big. This is what God says to him. I want to wrap it up with this. This is what God says to him. The end of the story. 
In verse 9, he, he said, uh, well, yeah, verse 9. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? I do. <laughs> he said, I'm angry enough to die. You ever heard a kid say that? I'm just mad enough I could just die. But the Lord said, you see, I'm serious. He doesn't get twisted when we throw tantrums. He doesn't get twisted. He just talks like a father to him. He says, here we go. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you never did anything to tend it or make it grow. I did it. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their, their right hand from their left, many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? You didn't do it. You got not an ounce of investment. You got not an ounce of investment. In fact, remember the money you spent on the ship? That was money I provided to you. Everybody say, God provided. That's Jehovah Jireh. He provides to us, and he allows us to run from him, and then he picks these two. Were you, were you in the service when, in Guatemala when I had the two largest Guatemalans in the room running after me when I was running around? That's what I thought you were, Tammy. So I had these, and, and I did that here one time. I picked the two biggest guys in this Guatemalan church, and I said, your goodness, your mercy, your goodness, your mercy, don't you get one foot from me. Don't you get one foot from me. Don't, and, and the, you know, the interpreter was telling them, don't get one foot from him. Stay really close. Stay really close. Stay really close. And, and here's these two large Guatemalans. And I mean, they don't come often large in Guatemala. And so I picked the two largest big guys I could find. And I mean, these were structured guys. I would choose you today, by the way. I'm just telling you, I would choose you. What's your name? Melvin. Melvin, I, Melvin, I would pick you, dude. You are structured. You're football-esque. So I would pick you. You would be goodness, and I would pick another guy over here somewhere that's mercy. And and and, and I said, no, don't you get one foot from me. And I started walking back and forth across that auditorium. And I mean, I was going back and forth, and there's these two Guatemalan guys just, I mean, hustling. And I started jogging. I was going, remember when I did that here years ago? And then I jumped off the stage and I started running around. And I mean, everything I had in me, I was running hard. And here's these two hoof behind me, hoofing it behind me as far as fast as they could go. I would turn around. I would run right into them. I said, don't run into me, goodness and mercy. So I'd turn around. I'd go back and I finally landed on the stage. And those guys were like, <sighs> I said, did you get, do you get the picture? And, and, and they got the, some people were weeping in the room because they finally got the picture. This is what God does because he loves us so much. He chases us with goodness and mercy and, and we will dwell because of his love for us. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because God is relentless and he provides for you and he provides for you and he provides for you. He provides for you and our disobedience or our obedience determines what he provides for us. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to make God known. I will tell you, if I were, if we learn anything from this story, from this example, God loves the people we're ignoring. God loves the people that we are despising. God loves, do you know the enemy loves to put, the enemy loves to put racial things out there for people to hate each other. It's a bait. It's the bait. It's a lie of the enemy. It is a lie of the enemy. It is a lie of the enemy. And, they, and the enemy has 
pitted man against man because of the color of their skin, their nationalities, their cultures. And I want you to know something. When the church wakes up finally, whether it is a white church, a black church, or an Asian church, or a Native American church, a Filipino church, whatever church those churches are, we are one in the name of Jesus Christ. And when the church finally wakes up to that, that hate, you know, let me just tell you something. This was a racial issue too. Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. This was a race issue. If if racism wasn't a part of it, I, I, I wouldn't be able to say it, except that this was clearly, they were not Hebrew. They were not Hebrew. They were enemies, man enemies of the people of, of Israel. And, and Jonah had to fight through every portion of his racist point of view. You know, can I just tell you something? One day we're going to wake up. We're going to see Jesus. And we will no longer as a church ever be divided. Now the enemy's got the church divided over mask or no mask. It's such a distraction. It is such a distraction. It is such a distraction. I'm not making less of it than what it is. I honestly, before the Lord God Almighty, I take seriously what is going on around the world today. Because it is signs that his return is imminent. It is not something for us to fear. It is something for us to look, look forward to. The believer wins. We win. We win. The, the rapture of the church will not be delayed because of world events. It also won't be pushed up because of world events. He's not counting on our calendar. He's not worrying about our... He, he is the provider. Everybody say, God provided. Now give the Lord a huge hand. Give the Lord a huge hand. We hope you found this audio presentation from St. Charles River Church both beneficial and enjoyable. If you're ever in the area, please come by and visit us. You can also reach us online at www.stcharlesriverchurch.org.